So it's good to be back with you guys as always. Um, this is home away from home for, for Lindsay and I, and we've done so many things with y'all over the last few years. And, uh, you know, you guys coming over to our stuff and uh, a lot of our people coming over to your inner healing ministry, including our whole team now for a second round. So it's just been a beautiful friendship and partnership, and we're glad that we get to do this with y'all. And some of you have sewn into these testimonies that I'm getting ready to share with you today. Um, you know, it takes, it takes senders for people to be sent, right? And uh, I heard somebody say recently, you know, money's, money's not everything, but, but when you need it, uh, it's like air. There's nothing else that will replace it. <laughs> I thought that's a good word. <laughs> and it's very practical, but in the hand of a Christian, it is a weapon, right? <laughs> it is a weapon. So you've sown into destroying darkness when you've sown into you've sown into this trip. And um, and so I'm going to share some. I'm going to share testimonies today. I'm going to flow into. What I felt like the Lord put on my heart, which actually goes with the theme of, of what's happening here. Before I talked to Eric earlier this week, he told me about outreach and, and things that you guys were starting to be more outwardly focused and going into the community and releasing the kingdom. And then the songs today from the word at the very beginning to the prophetic word that, that Michelle released and just all the things that were released. There's a common theme. Do you see it? The kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven. And guess who gets to be the conduit of the kingdom coming? We do. Now, I'm not saying that God can't sovereignly do whatever he wants. As it says in Psalms 115, I believe he's God and he does do what he wants. So it does do what he wants to do. So he can sovereignly move, but he's chosen to partner with us. And it's just amazing that we get to do this, right? So I'm going to share some of my story over the course of this time of going to Pakistan two times uh, last year. And uh, I believe that today that there's going to be this anointing that comes uh, on all those that desire it and maybe some that don't desire it. Have you ever seen God do that before? And it seems like he'd almost override somebody's will. We always say, God won't override your free will. I've seen him wreck people with his love that didn't, didn't want anything to do with him. Right? <laughs> I was one of them. He arrested me after I'd been arrested. And, uh, and, and it's just like, you know, he knows. He sees the beginning from the end and everything in between. And so he comes upon people because he knows that they're going to give him their yes. And it's all that he needs. And so before I go any farther, I felt like that uh, I felt just something stirring that I wanted to, to release to y'all. And you just take it before the Lord. But, um, I felt like that the, the outward focus and the things that had shifted, you know, the sons of Issachar in the Bible, they knew times and seasons, right? And so they knew times and seasons, and I felt like that this is a timing and uh, in, in the right season for what you guys are doing, and that the Lord is anointing what, it, what is happening, and that today uh, is just, I just so happened to get to be here at the right time. You know, it could be anybody else up here, I believe, and that there's going to be this anointing that people are going to get released upon them today to where outreach is not going to be just an event, but it's going to turn into a lifestyle. <clears throat> And so thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you just everything that you're doing with this family. I thank you that you're going to add more value to it today. I thank you that there's going to be empowerment that comes today. I thank you that there's going to be fresh fire, Lord, that is released, stirred up, that the, the gifts of God that these people are are going to get fanned into flame today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> yeah, come on, Jesus. All right, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get way off track. So, I, are you guys ready? Yeah. Are you ready, ready, set. <laughs> I'm gonna take you through the journey of this Pakistan trip that we went through. Uh, it was the the weekend, the the Sunday after Thanksgiving. We traveled. Have you ever traveled the Sunday after Thanksgiving? If you have, you've thought I'll never do it again. Busiest travel day of the year is what they say, right? I think it says it on Home Alone too. Also. <laughs> And I, I got to the airport in, in O'Hara in Chicago, we, all the way there from Indianapolis. I thought, we'll have time to eat, me and Matt General. You guys uh, heard of 420 Ministries? If you look them up on Facebook, you have to go through a questionnaire before you get to their ministry because they want to make sure you don't need help with, with drug addiction. 
on Facebook because 420 stands for something else in the world. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't. Come on. Don't, 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 don't do that. Y'all knew as soon as some of you, as soon as I said 420, your mind went to a place where you once lived before. No, I know it's not out of there yet. You may not be in that lifestyle anymore, but you still remember. Don't leave me up here looking crazy. <laughs> so it's 420, for 1 Corinthians 420, for the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. And so Matt General is a young man that travels, is traveling now with me consistently. Um, he's the one that we've, you know, we felt like the Lord wants with me. He's great. He's anointed. He's called to do this. And so, and it's just wise to have somebody with you. And um, so he's an incredible young man. Um, and he drove, uh, he drove us from Indianapolis to O'Hare. Because you can't get any flights out of Indianapolis, um, unfortunately, at that time. And the whole way, we thought, we'll have time to eat. You know, it was solid traffic all the way there. I thought, we'll never do this again. <laughs> So you guys want to go ahead and throw that first picture up there. So Pastor Donish Peter, which uh, Pastor Eric was talking about. So, so Donish is, is standing there on the right-hand side, your right-hand side of me. And uh, if you can't tell who Matt and I are, I'd, I'd be shocked. And um, so Pastor Donish will be here Saturday, March 12th. He will be with us at the Revival World Building at 6 p.m., if y'all want to come over that night, he'll be sharing what's going on in Pakistan, what God's doing in Pakistan and Afghanistan, because they're actively involved in both and have been for 10 years. And he's only 30. So this is the group of pastors that met us at the airport in the middle of the night. I don't know how many was there. There were 30 or so that they allowed to come. There were 100 that wanted to come and meet us. We've never met, we've never met them before in person. So it showed to me, I'm like, man, the favor of the Lord is on this thing. Like this is, there were so many pastors leading up to this. You'll see in, a, you'll see in here in a few minutes that leading up to this trip, we had, uh, we had no expectation other than we gave God a schedule and we said, here, Lord, we just hold it before you and you do whatever you want. We don't, if it want, you want it to look different, you want a few people at these meetings, you want thousands of people at these meetings, do whatever you want. We just want you to have your way. I don't want my agenda or my expectation. And so we handed it over to him. And the meetings leading up to this, the coordination meetings, because there takes a lot when there's crusades, takes a lot of coordination and uh, administrative work behind the scenes. I mean, a lot. And it's months leading up to this. And there were full, I think there were 500 pastors, leaders, and civil servants that showed up to the first meeting. And they've never met me before. So it just showed us, we're like, this is Jesus. And uh, then I'm like, he's like, man, I don't know what to, we expected 2,500 people at, this, at the big crusade meeting. And we said, I don't know what to expect now. So you, you'll see here in a, in a few minutes. So there's Donish on my left, and there's Pastor uh, Rahil on, the, on, on your right-hand side. He is uh, what we call the apostle of food. <laughs> <laughs> him and uh, Donish and him started uh, Grace Network, started ministering when they were 18, and then started Grace Network when they were 20. And so they forged the way, and Grace Network is uh, the nonprofit that they operate under that does work for the gospel, but does a lot of humanitarian work in the villages because this is the way that they're able to freely operate, is they go under uh, the premise that they are a humanitarian organization. Because y'all know that Pakistan's like the third most Muslim per capita. It's 97% or so Muslim. Uh, a third most Muslim country that there is in the world. And the gospel to convert Muslims is completely illegal. It's breaking Sharia law there. And, and uh, so it, it's, uh, the Christian church is growing, but it is still very persecuted. There are people dying for their faith and all the things that you've heard about. Um, but there are, uh, there's a unity in the church there that I hope that I see increasing in America, but there it's just, it's incredible, uh, what's happening. And so pastor Rahil doesn't only work for grace network, but he also is, uh, have you ever heard of like iron chef or top chef the show? So he teaches culinary school uh, and he teaches all levels for beginners, but he also teaches, uh, chefs that will go to the best restaurants throughout the world. 
And so he prepared some food for us, and um, I've, I've, that's where we deemed him the apostle of food. And <laughs> he was cooking. He was cooking over because the gas went out. Um, in the, there is a town that Christians are forced to live in, in Pakistan, which is a city of 27 million people. If you look it up on Google, it'll say 20, half, 20 and a half million people. It's not, it's not accurate. It's about 27 million people. And um, so in their area of town, they shut the gas off whenever they want. It's, it's regulation. They just regulate it is what they say, but you don't know when they're going to do it. And that's their only cooking source. And so I went upstairs to find out what was going on. We just wanted to see Rahil cooking, Matt and I, and he was cooking over coals. He had started a fire and was cooking fish over coals. I'm like, this is some Bible stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is amazing. And so did I hit this button? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I better put this thing down. It's loaded. <clears throat> so I wanted to show you a couple pastors before I got into the crusade and other things. So this pastor right here is, you'll never, you'll, you'll never know his name. I won't mention it. Uh, you'll, never, you'll never hear his podcast. Uh, you'll never, you'll never know how many people are in his church. You'll never read his book. Um, but he is one of the people that will be in the faith hall of fame. I can guarantee you that when we met him, where, where he is sitting right now is on the stage. We were holding an open air meeting in an area that is controlled by extremists. On the way there, we walked down an alley that went right, we were within, uh, I mean, you could throw a rock and not even hard to hit the building that we walked past that is where the extremists meet. By extremists, I mean those that are doing the horrible things to Christians. And he felt God called him to plant a church just right around the corner from it in their particular area. And so we're doing an open air meeting in the alleyway. Which, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a street, but more of an alleyway. And so the stage is, is set up. You'll see this next video here in a second. It's, it's, it's a terrible video. It's a phone video, but it'll give you, you know, a little bit of a shot. Um, so we got to, so the church that they built was, we got to dedicate it that day. We got to dedicate it and speak. And you're, you're sharing the gospel open, you know, outside. And you know everybody, because sound really carries. And I'm like, this is amazing. And we saw, I don't know how, because it was farther than you could see. People were lined up, and it's into the dark of the night. And so there were a dozen or a couple dozen. We don't know how many people got born again that night. And the healings and people getting delivered in the street. It was, it was incredible. And so there is the stage, and I'm sitting, and there's people bombing far back past that light. Um, and so it's just... You ought to see the guy on that drum. You see that thing that he's playing right there, that keyboard? He plays with one hand, and it's kind of like an accordion with the other. Have you ever seen anything like that before? It takes some serious talent. I don't know where they get them from. So that was an amazing night. This is another pastor. Again, you won't, you won't, <laughs> Pastor BM is what he goes by. Um, he won't read his books. You won't hear his podcasts. But he's been pastoring in Pakistan for 30 years. Just five years ago in the, in the city of Karachi, they stopped having a curfew because it was so violent in the city that bodies lined the city streets, rolled up in carpets. And so government changing and things that are happening have made the city a much safer place. I just wanted to put it in perspective that he pastored for 25 years of that kind of violence. This man is so humble, it was convicting. And to get to pray for him and preach in his church on Sunday morning, we dedicated a baby there. I told Donna, she said, uh, Pastor Donna, I said, we, we dedicate babies a little bit different. I just wanted to mess with him. I said, in America, we hold the baby, we throw the baby up in the air, we catch the baby, kiss the baby, and then we prophesy over the baby and we give it back to the parents. And I just said it with a straight face and he just looked at me like, you ain't going to do that here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just kidding, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you are nervous. <laughs> You're like, you will do no baby dedications at New Covenant. <laughs> Never have him on that weekend. <clears throat> so Pastor, Pastor BM and his wife, he was, we got to go to his house that afternoon. And he was talking about fasting. And he said, the way that I have been able to remain on fire this whole time and not just persevere but thrive is what he was saying uh, through the last 30 years is, is fasting, prayer, and the word. And he's, uh, so I'm like, how, how long do you fast? He's like, yeah, sometimes I fast 10 days, 20 days. 
30 days, 40 days. He said, I fasted 40 days one time and I felt so good that I went another 40 days. And I felt so good I kept going. I don't know when, I think he went another, you know, went between another 20 and 30 days. I never, just juice and water. It's only supernatural. I never even heard anything like that in the Bible. You know, and this man was so humble. I'm like, he's not trying to impress me. He's just telling me, he's just answering my question. And I'm like, wow, Jesus, I was convicted. And so here is a video of the crusade meeting that we did on Friday night. The one we expected about 2,500 people at. There were 28,000 people that were there. Yeah, come on. It's only because of Jesus. 28,000. There was a fence, a, a green felt fence that was probably eight foot tall that was right where those row of lights are on the right-hand side. And they had to tear it down and block off part of the street as people were coming. It was in, the, in a part of Karachi that they have never had a meeting that big in their existence in the day. Since they've, they've broken off from India, and I believe that's in the 1940s. Uh, so since then, Pakistan has, has been a country, and Karachi has been a city. They hadn't had a meeting that big. And one of the Muslim leaders, political leaders, came to that meeting. They honored him, and, and Matt and I got to, to meet him and talk to him for, for a brief moment, moment. So you say, how do they do meetings like that if the, the gospel is restricted? Um, cash is king. <laughs> <laughs> as they say, and if you, you, you have to pay for these things to be able to take place because you have to get a permit for streets and all this stuff and, and you, you pay them and, and um, call it what you want, but it's how it goes down. And that's how it happens in, in, uh, in all places that are like that. If you've never left America, you think that feels kind of shady. No, that's just the way that the world works in a lot of places and that's how the gospel goes forth. And so they turn a blind eye to it and allow the gospel to be preached. And so it's, a, it's amazing and it's well worth it. So there was a lady there. See that wheelchair? You notice that it's empty? There was a lady there that had been, I saw her on the, on the front row, on the left-hand side. I, I saw him wheel her in as I was getting ready to speak. And I didn't know what was wrong with her. I didn't know why she was in it. I, I wasn't entirely sure, but I found out um, as I was, we were corporately praying for healing because how do you lay hands on 28,000 people? You don't. So we're praying corporate prayer for deliverance, corporate prayer for healing, corporate prayer for salvation, obviously, all those things. And so I watch her stand up. Well, I didn't know she'd been in that wheelchair for two and a half years and not able to walk. So she stands up and is able to walk for the first time, comes up on stage and shares her testimony. I mean, come on, Jesus. Is that... We're just praying corporate prayers of healing, nothing specific. We're just going after, you're just, you know, you're just hoping, you're just flowing with the Holy Spirit and hoping uh, that everything that you've read is true. And so here's her walking with Pastor Donish. Um, Matt and I were actually down off the stage laying hands on as many people as we could until about 1, 1.30 in the morning, and then they shut the lights off on us. And uh, we, were, we went to the car, they're trying to rush us to the car because people just mob you. You know, they're desperate, uh, they're hungry, they come to get healed. Muslims come to get healed because what we do is we advertise Jesus the healer will be here. And they still believe that Jesus heals. They just don't believe that he's the son of God. And so that's the premise that we're able to advertise the event and draw all people in, Muslims and Hindus. The majority are Muslims. There's still some Hindus, but a lot of them are out in the villages where there are about a thousand uh, a thousand tribes, thousand different tribes, 650 tribal villages, uh, and the majority of those have never heard the name of Jesus. And so the more, majority of these, we get them to come. We say, G if you come, Jesus will heal you. <laughs> I put out a video that said that, and then you're like, come on, Jesus. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> let's go. Hold on. So I, re I rewound that. And so the, f so uh, hold on. Um, let, me, uh, let me go back to this. I'm going to share some more testimonies from the crusade meeting, okay? I'm just going to rattle some of these off, but I also want to stop on a few and just allow them to sink in. And I want to remind you that part of me sharing these testimonies is, is for us to be able to celebrate the fruit of what God does, not just what God did. 
but also to release empowerment to you because I believe there's grace on these testimonies for you all to step into this place. And you're, you're, you know, you think, well, that was overseas. I can tell you testimonies of the same things happening right here in our, our own states, right? So it doesn't matter where you're at. God's the same everywhere. He just needs our yes. That's it. It's, it's not complicated. And so I want, to, I want to encourage you, empower you, and also um, bring you into this place of hunger. Because when I hear testimonies, this is what it does to me. I think, God, you did it for them. You can, you can do it for me. Right? I remember we trained, we trained and equipped a bunch of young people at one of our first meetings that we, we did there the first night that we were there. We were watching teenagers see their first miracles. Lady in a wheelchair, you know, just prayed for by a 14-year-old girl. She prayed three times. She had pain all the way through her whole body, couldn't walk. 14-year-old girl, first time she ever prayed for healing, sees a lady get up out of a wheelchair and walk. I mean, come on. (laughs) I'm like, you're ready. Here you go. Three minutes of training. (laughs) Just remember, Jesus can do it. (laughs) It matters a little what you say, but more of what you believe. (laughs) So it's just, it's amazing. So there was a Muslim lady that had walked two and a half hours to get two, two Muslim ladies that walked two and a half hours to come to this meeting, the crusade meeting, and they're waiting. They actually got there two hours early, and so they're sitting for hours into the night. Just to put it in perspective, I didn't get up to speak until about 10 p.m., and people were expected to start getting there at 6. So they're waiting for buses and all that stuff to come in, and worship is going for a long time. You think we worship long? <laughs> they worship. They, they they just keep on going. They love they love to worship, and so these two women come. Uh, one has uh, hips were damaged, and um, she had misalignment, and she walked this whole way in excruciating pain. And then the woman that was with her had an issue of blood, just like the the woman in the Bible. I don't know how long she had it, but both during corporate prayer were completely healed. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> there were, um, yeah, there was a guy with a, a broken spine that was brought to the meeting that was healed during corporate prayer. Broken, broken spine. These, uh, there, were, there were people in the back that were falling down and getting delivered corporately. They had, they had lots of pastors, there were about 100 pastors there. And um, there was somebody tracking who was coming in, uh, what religion they were. They were coming through this particular uh, kind of doorway. And, um, and so they're tracking who the people are coming in, and a lot of them are, are go back there and share their testimonies afterwards, but also part of it is to get those, the people that I haven't got to yet that, that Jesus saved. And um, so there were between uh, a million and two million people that were watching online live, because Grace Network is a television network also that is aired into 80 nations, majority of which are in the Middle East. Isn't that amazing? And so they're watching this online, online live. There's a guy from the UAE. You familiar with the UAE is? Some of you all know where Dubai is, don't you? <laughs> Would like to go there. So <laughs> a guy from the UAE, had, he had blood cancer. He was watching the crusade online, and he, went to, he felt like something happened in his body. He said, I felt like something shifted in my body. God did something. I don't know exactly what it was. So I went to the doctor the next day. They did a blood test. They came back by the end of the day and they said, you don't have cancer anymore. You're completely healed. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Jesus. Yes. This guy's watching online. There's a, a broken arm, lots of broken bones that were healed, a cyst that disappeared in a lady's uh, stomach that was uh, during corporate prayer, um, thyroid problems, um, o- overgrown liver condition that was healed. Um, and then, see, I'm missing another TV testimony. Here it is. So there's a man that called Grace Network office and told he was watching the service on, online with his 16-year-old son that was born blind. And as they received prayer by faith, he said, his son received his sight. (laughs) Yes, Jesus. 16 years of being blind, born blind. Can Can you even, I can't even fathom what that's like and how that changes somebody's life. 
The last trip, we saw a little boy named Moses that was five, four, three, four, five years old that was born blind, healed. We saw him in person this trip. We see this, this other young man, 16 years old, born blind, completely healed. Come on. I'm like, yes, Jesus. So we did, a, we did corporate salvation, and, and um, I preached about the God of love. And I preached how he doesn't condemn you. He doesn't matter where you came from. Some of the things that were spoken out of Romans 8 today, like his grace is sufficient. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, your education level, your background, what you're currently thinking in your mind, that he loves you. His love for you is unconditional. It doesn't change. He has acceptance for you, approval for you. All you need to do is accept it. And so we preached that message, just a simple gospel message, and 8,000 Muslims gave their life to Jesus that day. <laughs> Come on. Yes, Jesus. 8,000. It's, it's rough. You can't get an exact number, but it's, or we gauged it on the, on the low side so that there's no exaggeration in it. 8,000. 8,000 Muslims. <laughs> You're thinking, wasn't that illegal? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Uh, but you know what? When Jesus, there's, when, when there's, there's favor and there's grace uh, for an assignment, um, it's just you're in, the, you're in the will of God, right? It's just yes. And um, so that was, it was beyond, I still, I still have a hard time processing it. It's been months later and it just leaves me as those things should in awe and wonder of our God. That he can do anything, anywhere, anytime. And it may seem dark in places, but guess what shines brighter in darkness? Light. <laughs> and we get to be the light. So the next, the next day, we had a pastors and leaders meeting. There were 800. <clears throat> there were 800. What time is it? Okay. There were 800 <clears throat> pastors and leaders at this particular meeting. And I have never felt or experienced the love of the Father come so tangibly in, in a meeting before. Pastors and leaders were standing up for burnout, depression, suicide. You hear that happening in the United States? Can you imagine what it's like there? <laughs> they chuckle when we talk about stress. And uh, it's not that we don't have it. It's just a different world. You know, life expectancy is 60, middle-aged is 30. Don't get sad. Just be glad that you're not middle-aged at 30. <clears throat> but they work seven days a week. They work tirelessly. And um, so they came to this meeting. One of our main objectives in going to Pakistan is to pour into the pastors and leaders and come alongside them, serve them, get them refreshed, rekindle the fire and fan into flame more of what's already on the inside of them while we're learning from them because we have a lot to learn from the persecuted church. And so we saw these guys encounter the love of the Father. We laid hands on every single person that was there. It was the night after the crusade. If you know anything about going on trips overseas, is that you, you don't spend much time sleeping. <clears throat> I was up the first 40 hours and the last 40 hours of the trip, and I slept two or three hours occasionally uh, within this. It was just grace. I, I felt good the whole time. And um, <clears throat> Matt, not so much. Matt ended up getting sick about the last three days of the trip. Man, he's a trooper. But um, we watched, uh, so at this particular meeting, they, I didn't know that, I knew Muslims owned the banquet halls. They own all the banquet halls. They own everything of value, really. And um, I didn't know they had Muslim workers in here. So I'm pumping up the pastors, you know, and what do you do to pump up pastors in a persecuted area? He said, Jesus is the only way. He's the son of God. No one else can save you. Things like that, right? Because it's true. And um, so then at the end, they bring this guy up and they say, he's Muslim. He has pain throughout his whole body. And um, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, how did he get here? Because <clears throat> you had to register for this event. And you had to be a pastor or a leader. <laughs> but I didn't know he was working in the, in the banquet hall. <laughs> I told Donish later, I'm like, hey, bro, a heads up would have been nice. And uh, <clears throat> he said, oh, if they were mad, they would have came forward right away. <laughs> Let's wait for that. <clears throat> So he gets, completely, he gets completely healed, and I hand him over to the, to the people. A deaf ear was healed of, of somebody else, and just people getting one after another, after another, after another wrecked. So um, at, before I go to, to this, before I tell you about this, uh, just briefly, um, so that, that afternoon I, I went back to the, we had a meeting that night at 6. We got back to the hotel about 3 in the afternoon, and I thought, a nap sounds great. <clears throat> Who knows, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. 
<clears throat> and so I laid down to take a nap, and um, I can tell this publicly here. I didn't tell this publicly <clears throat> at our place, but and it's okay. It's okay. It, it does. It can be recorded live. So um, as I'm in like a lucid state, I'm kind of like a you know awake but asleep, and um, I see. Uh, a Muslim woman in a burqa, all black burqa, you know, that co- completely covered, walk through the wall, <laughs> coming towards my bed, and um, and you kind of get the impression this isn't a real woman. <laughs> this might be demonic. <laughs> so she, so so this pulls this knife from under the burqa and like she's going to kill me, and uh, I in 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 just inherently just respond and pray. I, don't, I wasn't like I was thinking. You just do it as a response. The Spirit of God is praying through you, and it disappears. And then it happens again, and then it disappears, and then it doesn't come back. And uh, I went to sleep and then told him about it when I woke up. Um, <laughs> I was that tired. <laughs> but I'm like, man, this is good. I'm like, opposition. I'm like, this is good. <laughs> this, Jesus is amazing. And it, it should encourage us to know that Sometimes you think, i got to be aware, conscious, you know, conscious all the time. No, you just need to be surrendered. <laughs> right, come on. He's already won the victory. <laughs> He's, uh, and so just being one with him is enough. doesn't mean we don't actively engage at times. It just means most of the time I'm just focusing on what he's doing. And so here's the villages that we went out into about four or four and a half hours outside of Karachi. And here's an altar call that I was speaking because in the, tri- in the, in the villages, they speak a tribal language. The pastor, if there's a pastor in that village, if they've been, any of them have been one to Jesus at all, there's a pastor in that village. He speaks Urdu, but the people don't. So I'm speaking English, they're speaking, he's in Danish is speaking Urdu to the pastor because he doesn't speak English, and then he's speaking the tribal language to the people. Not only is it three translations, but everything in Urdu takes twice as many words as it does in English. So it's almost like four, four times as long. It's a lot of patience. I'm used to flowing, as you guys have probably noticed, and I don't do any thinking. So if I have that much time in between, I'm like, squirrel. I'm like I'm trying to find something to do with my hands. And, you know, I'm like, what, what do I do? There's so much time. So there's about a dozen people this day, Hindus, that gave their life to Jesus in this village. Yes, come on. Um, <clears throat> I see the Hindu women there in the back who uh, oftentimes when they get around men will completely cover their face. They have bracelets that are all the way up to, to their shoulders. Uh, they are incredible incredible people. There's the pastor of that village, another hero of the faith that you'll never know his name and never read his books and never hear his sermons. But he's completely laid his life down for the gospel. It's amazing. (laughs) So here's, um, here's Matt. Here's a testimony I wanted to share with you from the village. Matt is praying for this woman right here in the village. Matt is so incredibly sick in this picture. (laughs) <laughs> we had rode four and a half hours in a car. So Matt and I, both 6'3", 6'4", 200 or so pounds, and uh, we're in the back of a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> like this. <laughs> for four and a half hours there and four and a half hours back. It's well worth it. But just to give you a picture of him not feeling good and then riding in the car that long. And this lady didn't have any eyes. Wasn't that she, was, she wasn't just blind, she didn't have any eyeballs, period. So he prays for her, and he, he says, you know, believing that, I'm, you know, she's going to get eyeballs formed in the sockets. And he holds up three fingers and says, can you see, my, can you see how many fingers I have up? And she says, three. He's like, yeah, maybe it's a good guess. We'll try again. And so he holds up five fingers, and he says, how many fingers am I holding up? And she says, five. And he's like, he comes over and gets me. He's like, hey, bro, I, I don't know what's happening here, but I don't know if she's starting to see. I don't know if eyeballs are forming in the sockets. I don't know what's going on, but she's able to tell me how many fingers I have up, and it doesn't appear to me like she has any eyes. I'm like, you know, you're like, okay, I'm sleep deprived, like all these things, but I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, hold on, we're getting ready to bless the food to feed this whole village, so we're going to come outside and, <clears throat> and do that and shoot a video and... And so I'm like, 
just make sure we're going to interview her in a few minutes. We need to hear what's happening. And so we go back to interview her and we ask her, hey, what's going on? Are you able to see now? And she says, I'm not able to see like you do. But the moment that that man prayed for me, Jesus began to tell me everything that was in front of me. So every step I take, Jesus tells me what's there and which way to go. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, I, I would have been how I chose to do it, you know, if I would have been, but he wanted to do it. I'm like, Jesus, you're amazing. I don't know what else to say. So I'm like, come on. Um, it's still baffling. No eyeballs. You know what I mean? I'm like, Jesus can do anything any way he wants to do it. You know, being God and all. <laughs> And so, hey, look, so this is a funny story. I just want to lighten the mood. So you see these pants? They look a little too big. So the shirt and the pants are called shalwar is the shirt, and kameez are the pants. So we went to a, a mall that day that the only way we could, the only mall we could go to because they have three or four malls, but there's one that Americans go to, and we couldn't get into that one because we didn't have the proper credentials because of the way the world works at this moment and the card you have to show. I won't mention, and um, <laughs> and so we didn't have we didn't have one of those, and so we we uh, had to go to this other mall where Americans don't go. It was an interesting it was an interesting time. I won't go into that. So we go in and try on the shawar, and you know, and it's it's a lar it's a large shawar. They're long. It's a size large. It goes down to your knees. That's the way they're made. And uh, some of you, if you saw any video footage of me preaching at the crusade, I was actually wearing the shawar with my suit jacket on top of it um, because they appreciate when you embrace their culture. And so the shawar was a size large, which I haven't wore a size large in anything since I was probably a freshman in high school. And um, so that was kind of cool. So I opened up. We didn't try the pants on because they're the same size, right? And then I opened the package. (laughs) And Matt and I are like, what happened? How'd we get 6X pants? And uh, you're supposed to tie a rope around them, <laughs> you know, and cinch them up. And I still haven't worn them, but they are at home. And so that was, uh, that was, that was a good time. I was so sleep deprived when they did that video. The first time I did it, I said we were four and a half hours outside of Pakistan. And uh, they're like, hold on, cut. I'm like, what'd I do? I'm like, I'm just trying to say words that make sense. Help me. <laughs> He's like, you want to shoot a video? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so that I mean that was when you go into places like that it's just I mean you just can't you can't put it into words you leave Karachi and get about an hour outside of it and they no longer have police presence or military presence so in these villages it's kind of a free-for-all it's not kind of it is and um, they're hungry for the gospel even people that don't know it you know that everybody longs to be seen known and loved by the father even if they don't know that it's, the, it's a basic human desire for every single person, those three, three things, is to be seen, known, and loved. And the only love that can satisfy that and the only one seeing them that can satisfy that and the only one knowing them that can satisfy that is, is our Father, yeah. right? And Jesus is the way to Him. And so these villages, God is, he is lighting, he is lighting fires in them. We, um, we, we prayed over that clean water hand pump and, uh, you know, we're just praying that it'd be healing water, that there'd be deliverance. They encounter the father every time they drink it, every time they use it. And so we were able to show them the gospel that day. And when we go back in April, we'll be able to share the gospel, uh, others share the gospel with them in words, because these people in these villages need to know that somebody's with them. It's not just a one and done. You know, I had my dentist who does, has done a lot of missions work for years uh, with Doctors Without Borders, and he's a Christian and different organizations. He said, everybody goes once, but not very many people go back twice. <laughs> and so we're getting the opportunity to go back continuously. And, um, and I want to let you know that um, during, uh, if you, can you guys give me another, can you give me 15 minutes? And I'm just going to share this word with you. And then I believe God's going to release something that I believe is going to add value and empower you all. And so I'm going to start in Isaiah 60, uh, verse 1. And I'm going to read this. And and I want to let you know that some of you uh, may or may not look at me in a particular light. But I, I I want to give you a peek behind the curtain, so to speak, over the last almost year of my life and what I've been through and how I'm learning um, to burn in every season for him. 
because I didn't decide on my own to go to the Middle East. Lindsay and I wouldn't have picked that for a place to, to do the work of the Lord. I would have picked uh, Barbados. Uh, I would have picked uh, the Poconos, you know, Virgin Islands, uh, somewhere down there, Sandy, right? White sands, beautiful blue water, something like that. Come on, y'all don't want to have beach church. Um, it's, uh, I know it may not be for everybody. I'll, mountain church, whatever you like, woods, you know. But I wouldn't have chosen this. But the thing is, is that I, don't, I, I didn't get to choose because I didn't want to. I said at the beginning of this journey with Jesus, you build me back up the way that you intended me to be, and I'll do anything you want me to do, go anywhere you want me to go, say anything you want me to say. Essentially, what I was saying, you have my yes. And I found out that that's all he needs from us. You know, you've heard, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't equip the call. He's, he's already, he equips the called, right? We don't like, we don't have, he's not looking for the most educated, the most uh, well articulated. He's not looking for uh, the best looking or the people with the most wisdom or in the best social class. He's just looking for people that will say yes, right? You can come from those backgrounds. You can be well educated. You can have no education at all. Uh, you can be from a background like some of us that are familiar with the way I came up and the things that I've done. You may have been a drug addict that got set free. He just needs your yes. Yeah. That's all he's looking for. And I found out that that yes is, is not conditional upon how I feel physically. Right? It's not, it's not conditional upon the way that uh, I, I feel emotionally. It's just yes for you. And so I remember God telling me, and um, <clears throat> I don't pull the God card very often, but I, 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 was, I was confident, 90-some percent confident, that he had told me that in the last trip that I went to Pakistan in, in December, that we would see more people get born again, more miracles, more people delivered than I had in all of my Christian life. And you heard what happened, Right? I mean, over the course of last year, I did more trainings, I did more equipping, I preached more messages, though I delegated more messages to be preached at our home church, I just went out more, because that's part of what I'm called to do. And so I get to do that, but in, in all of that, we saw more people in the States, in America, healed and delivered than we ever had before. We saw more people trained and equipped of all ages that saw, some of them in one day saw more miracles than I'd seen in the first five years of my Christian life. Like we, we've seen, I'm young, and I'm talking about 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, like all types of people in the midst of all this and all that we're seeing, i have been sick since I came back from Pakistan in March. And it, and it challenged my faith. And I found out that, that regardless if uh, there's doubt or disappointment or depression is trying to creep in, or you're physically in pain and you don't feel good, uh, regard, if you're fatigued and you feel like you can't go on, that he really is my strength. And that I can continually burn through every season of my life. That the fire the Holy Spirit has ignited in each one of our hearts, if we are born again, that it is not to be put out by any circumstance, any situation, in any season. If it dwindles, it's not on him, it's on me. And I understand what it is to face opposition, watch other people get their miracle and stand by and wonder where mine is. Yeah. And just keep on going because that's what I do. Not realizing how much it had affected me. And it didn't, but I'll tell you one thing, as though it affected me mentally and though it affected me emotionally, is that it didn't stop me from burning and it didn't take my yes off the table. And the only way that happens is by the grace and the goodness of the Lord, right? Is that his grace is truly sufficient. And so Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 says this, is that arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but... The Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Did you know that that word shine means to be luminous? In the Hebrew, it means to be luminous like the break of day. And it also means to set on fire. <laughs> and so there is a command to priests in Leviticus chapter 6. 
that I'm going to read to you in verse 12 and 13. And it will go along with that particular verse. And it says, And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, and it, now, and it sh- shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of peace offerings. Verse 13, A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Who's glad that we don't make animal sacrifices anymore? Right? I, I, I tend to like it when animals make sacrifices for, for me for dinner, but I, I'm glad that I don't have to sacrifice animals anymore because Jesus became the sacrifice. And so the sacrifice is different, but the command is the same. Is that there's still fire that, gets, that is supposed to be burning on the altar, though the altar and the sacrifice have changed the thing that we all get to be is kings and priests unto the Lord, as it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. And so when you and I have priestly duties to do, and that priestly duty comes out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, which you guys are on your, on your way there if you're in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual act of worship. So God already took care, as it says, I believe in 2 Peter chapter 1, he already took care of the holy part. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has come into your life and he's made you holy. So you don't have to make yourself holy. So you and I have already become an acceptable sacrifice. And so the altar becomes our heart and the sacrifice becomes our life. And the fire is what the Holy Spirit brings upon all those that are willing to say yes. There's embers that begin to burn on the inside of us when we give our lives to Jesus. And I believe there's seeds that come and they get planted over the years. And there's seeds that will only be ignited by the fire as some pine trees are their seeds, the resin that surrounds them, they are only ignited or germinated by the forest fires, right? is something that looks destructive actually becomes something that brings life. And so I believe that the fire of God is coming upon the body of Christ in this season in a way that it hasn't ever before. And I believe that some of you have already begun to experience that fire and what our human instinct tells us is to run from the pain of it. And the only reason that it hurts is there's still things that God wants to burn away in our thinking. There's doubts, there's disappointments, there's worldviews, there's the way that we see ourselves. there's the way that we see God. There's all of these things that may still be strongholds in our minds. And the fire of God is like, if you would just stand still and let me have my way, then these things, if you will, this is, this is one thing that we, we learn from the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right when they got thrown into the fiery furnace... Who was there with them? It was Jesus. And so wherever Jesus is, my response is to be worship. And so this is what I encourage us to do, that regardless of how hot the fire may seem, that if I will just surrender and say, God, I'm just going to worship you in this season of my life, because that's what I learned. I learned that regardless of what I was going through, that I couldn't allow my doubts or disappointments or the things that I was thinking or my battle with the uh, theologic uh, the the things that I had believed theologically for so long because this season of my life caused me to rearrange several things in the way that I believed and it was really good for me because it's refined my thinking along with refining my theology and I used to get in this place of worship with him and all I could think about was the issue that I had God, take care of this. God, heal this. God, deal with this. I don't know what to do. Until that thing became the focal point of all my worship. You ever done that before? It became the focal point of all my worship, and I had exalted my problem. I had exalted my sickness, and I exalted my pain above the lordship of Jesus. And so this is what I did. I repented. I said, God, I'm sorry. And then I changed my mind about the way that I was operating because that's what repentance is. I say I'm sorry, I turn away from it, and I change the way that I think. And so I realized that what I needed to do 
is that I needed to sit everything at the feet of Jesus and let the fire just burn that stuff away. Because though it felt like fiery trials that I was going through, and I'm not saying that some of it wasn't, that it was the refining fire of the Father that comes from the Holy Spirit that actually not only refines us more into His image, but it actually ignites passion on the inside of us to give Him our yes no matter what we face. It's the very thing that when we're going, if we're going to arise and shine, it is going to be the fire of God that causes us to be luminous right in the darkness. It can't be just that fire that we keep to ourselves like a little campfire. It's got to be a bonfire. And the Father is inviting us into this place of saying, I'll burn for you. I don't care what I look like and I don't care where I go. I just want to go into, this is what a missionary asked me, asked us when we were in church probably 10 years ago. I don't remember anything else she said, but she said, you find the darkness you're called to and you go there. And you know, a lot of our minds go to different places in the world, like the one that you just saw pictures of. But there's darkness right down the street, right? There's darkness in the school system. There's darkness everywhere that we go. And our responsibility is to be who we were created to be and effortlessly as one with him, just release that that we carry into those particular places. Because he just needs the yes. That's it. Our circumstances and our situation cannot continue to, as I've learned, dictate whether or not we say yes. Because you know what? There are plenty of days when I complained. There were, you know, I may have not complained out loud, but I complained to God. I complained about the things that I was going through. Why not me? All those things that we... We walk through mentally, right? And so this place of like depression came on the heels of the disappointments. And all the things that I taught, it was time for me to respond to them. All the things that the Father's shown me over the years, it was time to implement them in my own life in a new way. And say, okay, God, let me remember that you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me a rescue out of this place. You already rescued me. You don't owe me healing. You already paid for it. You don't owe me anything. You've already given me everything. And I don't have to have it to continue to worship you. I don't have to have it to continue to give you my yes. I don't have to have it to continue to love people. That I will no longer let it dictate the way that I worship, the way that I love, and the way that I respond to what you want to do in a moment. Does this make sense to you? is that it's so easy when we grow up in a country where we have so many comforts that I myself enjoy too. That when something becomes uncomfortable, then situationally I can say, I don't know about what you want to do. For, I don't know about what you want to do, Jesus. I'm not real sure about this. Maybe, maybe I'll back off for a little bit. Maybe I won't talk about you anymore. Maybe, and even those thoughts go through your mind that went through mine. That if I wouldn't have said yes to one of the darkest places in the world, would this be happening to me? You know what he said to me? He said, yeah. He said, if you were working a nine-to-five job and you didn't even say yes to ministry, these things would still be being refined out of your life. Because you were going to face them regardless. (laughs) And that was a relief and a little painful. (laughs) As I found out, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what we're currently doing. Is that the Father is fully intent on us becoming everything that He's always dreamed we would be. And so if you would stand with me. I feel like there's an opportunity today to be, to be the ones that say, I'm going to arise and shine. I'm going to be the, lead, the, the light that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5 when he, he tells the disciples and the people that are listening, you are the light of the world. The city set on a hill can't be hidden. And I think there's an opportunity today. I know, I know that you guys have fire in your lives. I know, I'll watch you worship. I've been coming here for a handful, a few years now, and I've watched, I feel in the atmosphere. I know what you love. I know you're passionate. 
but I'm telling you that there's opportunity for increase today because we go from glory to glory in the kingdom. And the fire that we carried and the beliefs that we carried in this last season will not be sufficient for the next one because God wants to change the whole culture of this city. He doesn't want to just get people inside of a building, right? That's beautiful. It's where family is created, and that's the revival the world's looking for, is family on fire and deeply connected to the Father and to one another. But I'm telling you, the city's culture is changed by those that are willing to, to say yes and carry fire out into their spheres of influence. And that's what you guys are beginning to do in a new way. And now, now's the time. And I feel like there's a challenge, and I hope this is okay, that he's like, hey, are you, what are you going to do? And you know how he says it? He doesn't say it in some condemning, guilt-stricken way. He says it in a loving, inviting, wooing way that comes from the loving Father that we have. And it doesn't change his love for you if you're not willing to say yes. It doesn't change his love for you if you don't want to carry more fire. His love never changes. Let me, let me make that very clear. But I had him tell me one time, you don't have to do anything for my love, essentially, is what he said. He said, but I love you so much, every day I will invite you into the more that I have for your life. This is what he's doing, and he's not going to stop because he loves you. And that's what somebody who loves you actually does. He wants to empower you into a new place. And so as much as I, I like to lay hands on people as any charismatic slash Pentecostal person does, I don't feel like today's the day for laying hands on people. I feel like that there is an altar call, and this is what I felt like the Father said, is that if you'll take a step of faith, that he'll anoint with fire. And I feel like that your step of faith is just saying, yeah, I'll, I'll walk to the altar. I'm not moved by the amount of people that come or don't come. It doesn't matter to me. This is about you, and this is about this family, and this is about this city, and this is about this region. And so I feel like now's the opportunity to come. And so I'm inviting you to come, and I'm just going to pray corporately. And if that's you, and you say, I want to rise and shine and burn brighter than ever before. If I want the fire of God, I'll worship you in the fire. I'll worship you in this season of my life through the pain and the suffering and the things that I'm going through. I will not allow it to dictate my destiny. That's what this thing's about. It's time, it's time, it's time. This city's going to go from a poverty mentality to a kingdom mentality. It's time that these things be broken off, right? It's the things you guys have been praying for for a few decades now. It's, what's, it's beginning to happen. Be encouraged. Lives are being changed. People are being reached. The gospel is being preached and the kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven. And he's looking for more vessels. Is looking for more human sacrifices. I'll say yes to you. I'll say yes to you to burn for you. I'll say yes to you to burn for you. And so, Father, we thank you right now for just anointing this family with fire. Holy Spirit, would you come? Even as you came as a pillar of fire on the day of Pentecost. And you actually consumed each one of those people in the upper room with your fire. We ask that you would come upon every one of these sacrifices right now. We just say yes to every, I say yes with this family to everything that you have called them to as, uh, as a family of believers, but also individually in their own personal families. Father, we say yes to you. We worship you in this season of our life. We give you our yes regardless of what we're going through. You don't owe us anything because you have given us everything. And you are enough for us. You are enough. You are enough. You are enough. And so thank you right now for beginning to bring the fire down through us in every neural pathway of our minds. For everybody that's up here, and even those that are not, that are willing to say yes, or people that are watching, we just surrender to what the fire wants to do. We surrender to what you, Holy Spirit, want to do in this moment. We want to be refined. We've sang it. We've declared it. We've worshiped to it. 
and we want it, regardless of how hot or uncomfortable it gets, we want this because we know that it is your way of transforming us more into your image so that everyone around us will see that you love them and that you are good. Lord, we want our lives to speak prophetically about your goodness. We want our lives to speak prophetically about your love. We want people to see you when they see us. And so we fully surrender. We fully surrender. And if you would just declare this with me, Father, Father. I fully surrender. And I give you my yes, no matter what season, no matter what circumstance, no matter what it feels like, I'll burn for you. Yes, thank you, Father. Yes, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for a whole bunch of people willing to burn for you. Thank you, Jesus. Send us down the street. Send us back into the families that don't know you. Send us into the, the alleys of our cities. Send us into the places of business that we work at, the schools that we go to. Send us to where the darkness is. We will run towards it, regardless of what it looks like, if it's in the Middle East or if it's in China or if it's in, in Europe or anywhere else in America. We say yes. South America, we say yes. Africa, we say yes. Wherever you want to send us, but we don't only want to burn for you on a mission trip. We want to burn for you in our daily life. We want to burn for you in every area. So we surrender all of it to you right now. Every area of our marriages, every area of our relationship, every area of our life, please come be the center of it. Be the center of everything we do. Be the center of it. As we surrender fully to you, to live as one with the all-consuming fire that you are. We say yes. We thank you for helping us to get used to being uncomfortable. That's why you sent a comforter. <laughs> and so we say thank you, Father, and just begin to pray to him in your own way. I'm just going to continue to declare things over you. There's things that you need to say to him. There may be things that you need to, to ask him to, to say you're sorry for, that you let the fire dwindle. There may be things that you just need to say, I'm not going to take it off the table again. I'm not going to take my yes off the table again because this happened or that happened or if this happens again or if this doesn't happen. If I don't get this, I won't take my yes off the table. Make it personal to him. And just let me pray for you. You pray to him in any way that you feel led to, please. Just let, just let him have it. You're up here for that. So, Father, thank you again for this beautiful family of passionate lovers of you. I thank you that they are going to new depths in their relationship and new heights in their wonder. Yeah, I just declare right now, Father, fresh fire falling on all those that are even part of the New Covenant family that can't be here today. All those that are watching, I thank you for a fresh fire burning through them. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for a fresh hunger. I just declare hunger for you and for your word. I declare hunger for the, the broken and the lost, passion and compassion for those in crazy lifestyles that just don't know how much you love them. Yeah, we thank you, Father. Send more of the broken and messed up people into this place and send us to them. We don't expect that they'll all grace this doorway. We, we thank you that you're going to send us, whether it's through treasure hunts or in our daily life, you're going to send us those that are broken. Send us to those that are broken and hurting to love and to listen to and, and to just be a friend to and to love right into a connection with you. Yes. And so I bless what you're doing, Father, in this family right now. Bless what you're doing in every single Son, every single daughter. Thank you. 
thank you for bringing to fruition things that have been prayed for for decades. Seeds that have been sown and, and, and watered, thank you for bringing the increase. You're the only one that can. We trust you. We thank you. I thank you for the sacrifice of those that have went before us, that have paved the way into this place. Yeah, thank you, Father, that we're getting to step into something new because of what they sacrificed. Yeah, thank you, Father. We love you, Father. Yeah, thank you. I just want you to lift your hands if you feel fire or heat somehow on you. I just want you to lift your hands. Just lift your hands. Somehow, some way, acknowledge you feel fire happening. Thanks, Jesus. Some of you may feel this consuming peace. Some of you may have this electricity that's going through you. It's just Jesus. It's Holy Spirit. And so, God, I just bless what you're doing. And I say more, God. Bless it. I bless what you're doing. And we say more, Father, more. Add to, add to, add to what you're doing. We bless it, Father. We thank you for increase of your power, increase of your love as you increase your fire. And that those two things, power and love, would never be separated in our lives again. That they would be as they're supposed to be, as one. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you. I thank you that what's going to be the result of this and the lives that are going to be impacted. I know I can feel the excitement of heaven over this family. And so thank you, Father, for what you're doing currently. Yes, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, just release the blessing of the Lord on you guys. Release the blessing of the Lord. Yeah, it's the best one you can get. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.